You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. everybody welcome back to circling seattle sports on converge media of course as always i am your host charles hammaker here with you in studio the end of the month of january has brought preseason for the sounders and the rain the seahawks continue to look for their new head coach uh, the kraken are one game away from the nhl all-star break and they've been getting healthier which is a great sign if you've been aware of what's been going on with the team over the past few weeks uh, the mariners might make a move today that's what the rumors are saying and we'll get to that in the potential of that and what they've already done over the past week of course but oh voice crack but uh as always we'll start with the seahawks and with the seahawks it isn't a ton of news potentially it's just more progress towards the potential of a new head coaching hire with the ravens losing to the chiefs in the afc championship game and the lions losing to the 49ers unfortunately i'm sorry everett in the nfc championship game both Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator of Baltimore, and Ben Johnson, offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions, are now free to interview however they'd like to uh, as their respective seasons are over with their current teams. Ben Johnson has already met with the Seahawks once. This would be his second meeting with the team, and Mike McDonald has not met with the Seahawks at all, despite the team having reported interest in him throughout the course of their coaching uh, search. They haven't gotten any interviews in with him. Now they are free to do so. Uh, Washington, uh, the commanders, the only other vacant head coaching position in the league. There's only two now. Uh, by the time that we saw you last week, there were uh, at least five, and now we're down to two. Uh, the Seahawks and the commanders both teams are going to look at mcdonald and johnson and it makes sense johnson's done a great job with the lions offense and what talent they've got there uh you know jared goff had a really strong year you wonder what he could do here when seattle with the the weapons of a dk metcalf a tyler lockett jackson smith and jigba kenneth walker we, we could go down the list of course um on the defensive side of the ball though mike mcdonald if you're really looking to spark plug this defense a defense that does have a ton of talent you know, Devon Witherspoon is a finalist for the Defensive Player of the Year Award, a Defensive Rookie of the Year, I apologize, uh, award in the NFL here for his strong season. You'd look at Mike McDonald. Uh, and obviously, continuing that, the Seahawks are without an offensive coordinator as well, as Shane Waldron has bolted for Chicago uh, to call plays for the Bears. So there are a few different coaching dominoes that need to fall, but obviously you want to get the head coach out of the way first, and then that head coach will likely bring in their respective staff as well. So, you know, McDonald, if you're a defensive, you, a lot of the fan base has looked at McDonald already as their head coach. They have they don't care about any other candidates that are out there which there are still plenty of capable candidates to take this head coaching job you know i'd still like for them to meet with mike vrabel vrabel has met with a few teams already interviewed with the falcons they went with raheem morris former defensive coordinator of the rams who i thought might end up here in seattle personally uh, dan quinn is somebody that a lot of the fan base wanted here i push back against that a little bit bill belichick is still without a job and it doesn't seem clear that he wants to retire quite yet but it doesn't look like he'd necessarily be a great candidate for either of the current teams that are without a head coach at this moment so there are more than a few capable candidates out in the nfl coaching space that 
could take this Seahawks job that we're looking at currently. But Johnson and McDonald, two guys who are now free to interview, are two of the guys who a lot of folks have highest on their respective list. So that'll be interesting to keep looking at. Again, coordinators, whether it's offensive or defensive, don't always necessarily make great head coaches. It's not, you know, they, some folks aren't able to make that jump, unfortunately. So maybe you look to a variable who's already done a head coaching job and has earned some respect around the league when doing so with the Tennessee Titans. So uh, that is it uh, for the Seahawks. Nothing else really going on in the realm of Seattle. You know, we look at the Super Bowl, it's the Chiefs and the 49ers. So, you know, at least for us, we're looking at the Chiefs to win that game because you don't want another Super Bowl in the division, unfortunately. Um and that's that's kind of the slow moving parts of it. We'll be eventually be looking at you know free agents for the Seahawks, whether it's their current class of who's going to hit free agency. We go the mock drafts will slowly be loading here, and who Seattle will take at the 16th overall pick. But you know the head coaching job is obviously domino number one that needs to fall for Seattle in their current off season. Uh, we look to the Mariners there, as I mentioned, there might be a rumor that there might be a deal for the team here. Um, yeah. And then as I look here now, uh, Ben Johnson is just about penciled in for the commanders as their new head coach. So, uh, I mean, Seattle still has uh, an interview supposedly with him lined up, so that could change as well. But uh, there's supposed to be a Mariners move that happens today. There's been speculation about it, but there was one thing that at least for sure happened in the Mariners world. Currently a minor league bat in Cole Tucker. Cole Tucker has spent four seasons of his five-year major league career with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Nothing too spectacular, low 200 batting average. Uh, he only played in five games with the Rockies this past year uh, and hit 500, but that's uh, <laughs> four hits in eight at bats, which, you know, is a very small sample size. So there's something there. I mean, he is a younger infielder. Uh, he's 27, which is supposedly peak age in Major League Baseball. Um, not, not a lot there. He's played uh, kind of a number of positions, which the Mariners do value. Obviously, you look at Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty. They're viewed as super utility guys. Tucker playing a lot of shortstop, but can play right field and second base. Uh, the biggest news with Cole Tucker, though, is that he is married to Vanessa Hudgens. So there's that. That's been the biggest piece of news regarding him, which is unfortunate, you know, because you'd like to view him as him, uh, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, that's cool, I guess. So if Cole Tucker somehow makes the major league roster, then the Mariners have Vanessa Hudgens as a super fan. So there's that. But uh, that's that's about it with the Mariners. I mean, there's this talk of a potential trade for Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox. Cease finished, you know, near the top in AL Cy Young voting this past year. And that would be great to add, you know, even more pitching to this Mariners staff. You look at, uh, you know, the, the, the Cy Young odds for this year came out over the past week. And the Mariners had three players in the top 10 of those odds and Luis Castillo, George Kirby and Logan Gilbert. You'd be adding another player into that with Dylan Cease. Obviously, the season has to happen and so on and so forth. There's two things I find wrong with any potential rumor for Dylan Cease. One, you don't need more pitching per se. You don't need to add a top level pitcher like Dylan Cease. You've got Brian Wu and Bryce Miller that are going to continue to develop. Really encouraged with Bryce Miller adding more secondary pitches this offseason. Brian Wu has some great stuff already that he can continue to develop. I don't see any reason to move those guys and to bring in Dylan Cease, especially considering you've got Wu and Miller under club control through 2029. And 
Cease only has a few more years before he hits free agency. Two, you don't, again, in a different light, you don't need more pitching because you need more offense. So unless this is a package deal where somehow the Mariners get Luis Robert Jr. or uh, maybe another potential bat in the Chicago system, there's not a lot going on with the White Sox, truthfully. Um, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for the Mariners to go out and do that. Uh, not a lot makes sense. I'm cautiously looking because that news could drop at any minute uh as we've seen happen throughout the course of the show you know we had the eugenio suarez jesse winker deal drop in the middle of recording um it just doesn't make sense for the mariners to add more pitching when they've struggled so much with you know a lack of hitting the pitching has been great for years this pitching staff this rotation the bullpen have been lock solid it's the hitting that's been such a struggle for this Mariners team. And everybody knows it from the front office to the team to the fans. Everybody knows that the hitting is the issue. I don't, we don't need a Dylan Cease. That's not necessary. Um, so I would just generally ignore that. I don't see a point in adding that. Um, but, you know, we've been surprised by this Mariners front office before. So it, I could say all of that and it could end up not mattering. I digress. Thankfully, we are, what, 16 days away from the Mariners pitchers and catchers reporting. So we're really close to spring training coming around. The Mariners could be making moves to add on uh, during spring training as well. As I mentioned, with the Winker and Suarez trade that happened during spring training, there are a ton of free agents who haven't signed yet um, and might not sign until well into spring training. So that sort of stuff we could see take place um, as we move forward here. But otherwise, the Mariners relatively quiet. Outside of that, I mean... There's been news regarding their minor league affiliates. Uh, the Rainiers, the Travelers, the Aqua Sox, and the Modesto Nuts have all named their coaching staff, as well as the uh, Dominican Summer League coaches have been named as well. But in terms of the Mariners themselves, that news, there's not much going on besides Cole Tucker um, signing a minor league deal and uh, getting an invite to spring training. So there's that. Uh, there's not, as I mentioned, much going on when it comes to the Mariners themselves. Not a ton moving on in the storm world per se, but excuse me, notice this over the past week, they did hold a free agent visit uh, with free agent power forward uh, Neka Agumake. So Agumake recently announced that she would be leaving the Los Angeles Sparks in free agency. You know, I mean, we look at the roster here. I mean, the roster, pardon me, the accolades for Agumake, an NBA champ, WNBA champion, MVP, rookie of the year, all rookie team, eight time all star, uh, all WNBA first team in 2016, five time all second team, four time all defensive first team. The list goes on. There's more. I could go on. I mean, there's a there's a gold medal in there as well. But, you know, we look at this Storm team and we talked last week about Joyner Holmes um, having a uh, qualifying offer extended, you know, talked about length and versatility there at the, the uh, at a forward position for the Storm. <laughs> Ogwumake is that and more being able to add her and stick her next to Ezi Magbagor down low for this Storm team, adding another true defined star alongside Jewel Lloyd immediately puts the storm into at least a playoff conversation. You know, you still need to fill out the bench. You are the storm are looking to add a point guard and looking to add more creative offense after their offense stalled a lot when it wasn't led by Jewel Lloyd this past year. Akumake really would be a lot of fun in the storm uniform. As you can see uh, with the photos we got on the screen, 
Agumike did visit Climate Pledge Arena. We saw NECA. Uh, I have a fun story. We were already there at Climate Pledge Arena because the Kraken were playing. Um, it was the 26th against the Blues. Uh, and we'll get to the Kraken section, obviously. But I, I was like, hey, wait a minute. That's Neka Gumake. What is happening here? Uh, it happened to be the day of her free agent visit. And so, again, this could be a really big deal. Obviously, she's going to visit a few other places. She did visit Chicago already. But, um, you know, Seattle's going to make their own case, whether it be, you know, with that world-class home of Climate Pledge Arena, with Inner Bay and that practice facility opening up already. Uh, well, soon. I apologize. Soon. Playing alongside Jewel Lloyd, the young core that you've got of Mag Bagor, of Jordan Horston. You know, we could go on, of course. There are a lot of different things that Seattle could look um, to persuade her for. General Manager Talisa Ray, I'm sure that was in some sort of pitch. Um, and I'm sure they're looking to attract other free agents as well. But this would be huge, you know, to add to the Storm lineup. It, it, it immediately adds another second star. And I, I would argue, again, you need to fill out the bench, of course, and you need to find that point guard. But you immediately launch yourself into the playoffs conversation. And you've got the fourth overall pick in this year's draft to add on to that as well. So that's what happened in Storm News. Outside of that, there's not much going on as well. Free agency has kind of dragged on. We're into free agent visits and all that sort of thing. But there's not a ton going on outside of that. You know, the draft is still a little bit of ways out. And the team's training facility is getting closer. They're doing some court installation at the current moment. Uh, but that's what we've got when it comes to the storm. When it comes to the Sounders here, we talked about it last week. It was rumored. We thought, hey, it should be happening right before the team heads off to Spain. And it did. The signing of Pedro de la Vega was made official. Uh, the Sounders signed the Argentinian forward as a... Well, he could play a multiple uh, different positions, so we'll look at him as an attacker. The 22-year-old, yes, Pedro and I are the same age, which is a little bizarre, um, was signed from Club Atletico Lanús um, of Argentine top flight. He tallied 17 goals and 14 assists over the course of five seasons. He becomes the first young designated player signing in the club's history and was announced um, on the 24th last week as the club's major announcement. He joins the club on a four-year deal with a club option for 2028, pending um, the receipt of his P1 visa and international transfer certificate. So he then now occupies a young designated player slot, joining fellow designated players Raul Ruiz Diaz and Albert Rusnak on the roster. He becomes the first club's, uh, the club's first young designated player ever and the 17th overall designated player signed by the club since they joined MLS in 2009. So, you know, a lot of excitement with Pedro de la Vega here had a really nice bounce back in 2023 after tearing his AC, well, after suffering a big injury in 2022, there was a lot of European interest. Man City was reported looking at him for a while, but European clubs after that injury, the interest was gone and the Sounders were ultimately able to swoop in. And now you've got De La Vega. So it creates an interesting thing here. Where does he fit in with this attack? Uh, not going to go up top with a nine. I don't imagine. Um, how are you going to fit this attack? So that's a good problem for the Sounders to have. We talked about it through the course of this past Sounders season. And even the Sounders season before that, mainly the second half of that year, how much the team struggled to finish their chances and even at times generate chances, you know, to be able to change a draw 
to a win or a loss to a draw or a potential win. So big for that news to finally be announced. And for Beitro de la Vega to join the team as they're now in Marbella, Spain, uh, getting in their preseason work right now, uh, the team bonding, you know, building up that attack and that a focus on the offensive end. Uh, veteran forward Jordan Morris did say that the emphasis this off this preseason was going to be on building the attack and working on improving upon that. So there was that. There was also this leak, and I'll show you this here, and we'll put it on your screen. Uh, there was a leak of the video game EA. AFC, it's the soccer video game uh, that comes out every year, um, leaked a bunch of MLS kits that are reportedly going to show up this year, 2024. It's a pretty credible case considering that they're in the video game that is the home of all of these leagues, MLS, La Liga, you know, the Premier League, all sorts of that. And a bunch of the MLS kits leaked. And you can see on your screen uh, what this year's home sounders kit will look like you know with it being the 50th year uh in the club's history obviously it's a big it's a big opportunity for a bunch of different things and obviously for a new jersey uh the pinstripes is interesting i don't know if i would have gone with pinstripes this is a low resolution pick off of a video game so we're not sure how it'll look in person as of yet there could also be the possibility that this isn't it and maybe EFC is throwing us for a loop. I wouldn't put that out of the realm of possibility. But if this is, in fact, what the club is going for, it's interesting. I'm not going to make any sort of judgment on the kit before you can see it in person uh, and see what it looks like up close, see the details of it, the finer details, have the club announce it. I'm not going to worry about that until then. But it's, uh, it's interesting. You know, I'm not really much of a big pinstripes guy myself. Uh, whether that be because of the Yankees or some other sort of reason, but it's interesting. Again, I'm going to hold off any sort of real judgment on that until we're able to see it in person, see the closer details, see the finer details, um, and worry about that at a later point in time. So the club is in Spain, as I'm, as I mentioned earlier, they've got their respective preseason going on right now. You know, we've seen a few pictures of it. There's the team building aspect. There's the bonding aspect, which is great and exciting for them, you know, this is a club that's still got a lot of veteran leadership in it. Um, they're looking to go ahead and get back to MLS Cup. I mean, that's the goal. You know, you haven't won a trophy in a few years. Uh, there's obviously CCL, but I mean, you'd like to get back to winning your league and and winning trophies. I mean, you failed in the U.S. Open Cup as well, so you'd like to move forward with that. Um, and and maybe add a few new players. I mean, there's a, a, a move that wasn't quite official yet that we'll get to uh, next week if it gets made official. So I don't know. Otherwise, the Pedro de la Vega move is very exciting to see that take place um, to finally have that after uh, Craig Weibel, general manager Craig Weibel called it the worst kept secret in Seattle sports. So it's finally nice to have that officially made clear, made official and get that on the books. Uh, we move over here to the Kraken and look at that. The, the nothing if not, they're not consistent. And that changed a little bit here. The Kraken had gone on a losing streak after their nine-game winning streak. We talked about that and the struggles there. The, the injury issues. Finally, the team is getting back to healthy. And there was a move made today that signaled further health for the team as well. Uh, we start here with January 24th. The team 
and that beat the Chicago Blackhawks in the second game of a four-game homestand by a score of six to two. Uh, this was a nice win to go out there, dominate a team that you were expected to dominate on paper, handle your business, get in the win column, um, and as well as bring in a few former guys as well uh, back to Seattle in Colin Blackwell, Ryan Donato, uh, Jacob Megna, and then former Seattle Thunderbird Kevin Korchinski, all with Chicago now to come here and play that game as well. Uh, our player of the game for Jared McCann, one goal, one assist, two points, three plus minus, and three shots on the day. January 26th, after that win, this one was a big game, considering that the St. Louis Blues sit ahead of the Kraken in the wild card standings. You would like to obviously continue to stack wins as you move towards the all-star break and in general, as you look to climb up higher in the standings, but also when it's a team that's in your way and directly in your way of a wild card spot, you'd like to handle that. Seattle looked like they were going to do so. They were up by a score of three to one. They let St. Louis score the last three unanswered goals of the game, including the winner in overtime and the crack and fall. They get the one point in the standings because it's an overtime loss, but ultimately it's frustrating because you didn't get both of them. And it was, it was in your grasp. You had the two goal lead, wasn't able to take care of that and finish that off. Our player of the game for it, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Seattle's all-star, one goal, one assist, two points, one plus minus, and five shots on the day. We go over here to the final game of the homestand, the fourth and final game, and the second to last game ahead of the NHL's All-Star break. Uh, January 28th versus the Columbus Blue Jackets, a 4-2 win. This one, another one that Seattle should have handled pretty pretty easily on paper. You know, Columbus has struggled throughout the course of the year. They're still sort of kind of going through a rebuild. They've got a lot of young talent on this roster. Um, Seattle scored three goals in the first period. They looked like they were going to roll it. Second period was a little bit weird, a little bit sloppy. Weren't able to do a lot. We get to the third period, same thing. Very sloppy. Didn't Couldn't add on to it. Columbus scored the next two goals to really make it a tight one. Uh, but thanks to a few block shots, Yanni Gord got in on it. Uh, Joey Decord made great saves down the stretch. Seattle was able to get the empty net goal by Brandon Tanev and put the stamp on this one to get the two points um, and close out the homestand with a win. Our player of the game for Jordan Eberly Ebbs, two goals, one assist, and three points on the day, contributing on three of Seattle's four goals on the night, a one plus minus and three shots. So nice to close out the homestand with a win. <laughs> a little bit more stressful than it needed to be. Um, we'll talk about that here in a second. But just happy to be able to get the win, of course. Um, and now you focus on your next game down in San Jose. We move over here before we discuss that to our player of the week. Oliver Bjorkstrand is who I went with. Uh, Joey didn't have the greatest week over the past three games, per se, in the games against St. Louis and then in Columbus. Looked a little bit tired on some of the goals that those teams scored, so it'll be nice when the All-Star break approaches. I would imagine that Philip Grubauer starts tomorrow against San Jose, but that's not a definite, considering Dave Hackstall. Uh, but regardless of that, regardless of how the team decides to go with the goaltenders, uh, the All-Star break will be a big help for this team to get even more healthy, get some rest, and move forward there. Uh, looking back at our player of the week with Bjorkstrand, over the past three games, one goal, three assists, four points, one hit, and one block for the All-Star. Even when it isn't recording stats like goals or assists, Bjorkstrand making an impact for this team uh, and really showing why he's been so valuable and earning his first All-Star appearance this year. 
we look at this Kraken team and, you know, again, getting healthy is a big thing. That's really nice. You see some of the defensive structure has been there. You know, you're getting some improvement from the power play. You get two of your three goals last night against Columbus on the man advantage. Uh, getting healthy is such a big thing. You know, there's a roster move that we'll get to in a second that alludes to even more health and, and the team being fully healthy. Uh, and I say that with air quotes because you never know. Some guys are battling things on the side and aren't going to mention it. But that's been such a big thing because you talk about this roster, you talk about where they are, and some folks have been looking towards what they need with the trade. The front office really hasn't seen this team to its full degree uh, as they envisioned it this offseason because of the injuries. You know, Brandon Tanev gets hurt early on. Andre Burakovsky goes out for a while with an injury. Jaden Schwartz was out. Jordan Eberle was out. You know, there were so many things that happened. There was the illness over the road trip as well that took place. So there's so many things that this team's been hit with in the first half of the season lead ahead of the All-Star break. They really haven't seen a fully healthy 2023-24 Kraken roster. And that's fine now because you're getting healthier, you're getting better. The one thing that I wanted to talk about and alluding towards it, you know, with the overtime loss to St. Louis and then this Columbus game, the team has been failing to hold on to leads. And that isn't something new. There was a two-goal curse that happened earlier in the year. Um, but you really need to be able to close these games out. Excuse me, especially when you look at games against the St. Louis Blues. That's a team ahead of you in the standings, a team that's holding a roster, a wild card spot right now that you want. You need to be able to finish that, move that ahead of them, and be able to hold that over their head in case we need the head to head standings, in case you need the tiebreaker when we get to the playoffs, when we get to, you know, those late games in the year where you might need to start stacking up points and calculating how you need to get into the playoffs. So, you know, just just some sloppy hockey in the second and third periods of this game last night against Columbus. Not really the best chances on goal against Daniil Tarasov after he looked really shaky early on. <laughs> the bad chances that you put on goal ultimately helped him get locked in. Um, and that St. Louis game, again, you go up by two goals and just some some turnovers. And it was the same with Columbus. Turnovers and, you know, a lack of hustle, a lack of, you know, the sense of urgency wasn't fully there to close out these games, put the final nail in the coffin, however you want to put it, right? So feeling good, feeling better about it, feeling better about being healthy, but knowing that, hey, you got the win, at least looking at last night, you got the win. Or if you look at uh, St. Louis, you got one point but you can be better and you need to be better when we get to some of these other games on the road. You know, I know uh, in the month of March, you're going to play Vegas uh, late into the season, late into the month. And that's going to be about the time when you want to start clinching a playoff berth. So, you know, be happy with the points. You know, you got the nice homestand, you got the break coming up, but understand that you're going to need to be better moving forward. Uh, and that'll help as you're getting healthy, and we'll talk about that now. Uh, on the 23rd of January, the team activated goaltender Philip Grubauer off of injured reserve and then thus reassigned goaltender Chris Drieger back to AHL Coachella Valley uh, with Matty Beneers uh, coming healthy as well after he had been dealing with an upper body injury over the last few games on January 25th. The team reassigned forward John Hayden to the Coachella Valley Firebirds as well. Today, forward Devin Shore was placed on waivers with the intent to reassign him to the Coachella Valley Firebirds, as it appears that forward Pierre-Edouard Belmar will be healthy and can return to the team, especially given the break. 
This is a move that whether Shore is claimed off of waivers or ultimately goes back down to Coachella Valley will help the team out salary cap wise. And with the long break, Pierre-Edouard Bamar should be able to join the team um, as well. So then you'd have two forwards who you could scratch, um, which is unfortunate for them not playing. But it means that this team is finally fully healthy once again. Uh, well, it would be one forward. Yes, it would be one forward. It'd be Yamimoto. Sorry about that. Um you know, Belmar did practice with the team during morning skate yesterday. Full practice participation is a sign in his uh, return over the weekend. He had been practicing on his own and getting some more work in. Uh, so, again, I imagine with the one game against San Jose tomorrow and then the break, the thought is put Shore on waiver, send him back down to the Firebirds, and then you can have Belmar back from injured reserve and ready to go. That's about it. When it comes to Kraken-related news, the team sits at a 21-win, 18-loss, 9-overtime loss record, which is good for fifth in the Pacific Division, sitting at 52 points. They're two points out of the final wildcard spot. Their next game, as I mentioned, is tomorrow, Tuesday, January 30th, at the San Jose Sharks. That's a 7.30 p.m. puck drop. I'm not sure why it's so late. Uh, considering we're still in the West Coast time zone. The All-Star break will follow this. The team doesn't play again until February 10th. They will return from the break on February 7th, get some practice days in, and then get to their next game on the 10th. So a nice break there. Oliver Bjorkstrand, obviously, the team's All-Star representative in Toronto. Otherwise, the other guys, you know, get a nice break. We move over here to the rain uh the seattle rain fc it's still nice to be able to look at the valkyrie uh at you know the queen emblem and logo for this club and and know that we're back to that era or in a new era per se of having that crest so it was a busy week for the rain over the past season there were rumors of things and then they were confirmed starting off with the signing of midfielder ji soyan ji soyan um is a south korean midfielder she, uh she signs through the year uh this was 2025 season i apologize for an agreed upon transfer fee to suwon fc she will join the rain for preseason following the receipt of her visa uh she joins the rain from suwon fc in the wk league which is the highest ranking level uh, women's league in South Korea. She joined that team in 2022 after leaving uh, Chelsea and helping Chelsea win a number of trophies. Spent eight seasons there, arriving in 2014 as the first South Korean player to play in the FA Women's Super League. Uh, that season, back in 2014, she was named the League's Player of the Year and the PFA Players Player of the Year winning multiple trophies. She's viewed as a creative midfielder that went on to make history as the first non-British player to reach 100 and then 200 league appearances in the WSL, totaling 210 appearances and scoring 68 goals across all competition with Chelsea, helping them win 13 major titles. So in a lot of ways, this is viewed as the replacement for Rose Lavelle. That's nice to see. Um, obviously, a lot of people were really concerned with Rose Lavelle leaving um, and replacing that, you know, finding that creative attack. Like the Sounders, we talked about with the Rain, so many opportunities for them to win games, turn draws into wins, turn losses into draws so on and so forth so you're adding somebody here who's a veteran you know who's well regarded who's one who knows how to win uh so that'll be exciting that's a big move there the rain are still expected to add another international signing as well in addition to ji so young per our sources so we'll get to that of course when that happens but preseason's underway that might not happen until the summer window uh happens and you know there's obviously uh even with ji so young there's the visa that you have to worry about so we'll look 
to that at a different point in time. But there's that announcement. We go from that. As I mentioned, there's a ton of stuff that happened over the course of the past week for the rain. Uh, just the day of the Jiso Yun announcement, there was rumor of a trade and it became official. The rain sent away defender Sam Hyatt in a deal, um, which is unfortunate. You know, I was a big fan of Sam. Uh, defender Sam Hyatt goes to Gotham FC in a three-team deal. So there's the Rain, Gotham, and then Racing Louisville. The Rain sends Sam Hyatt to Gotham. Uh, Louisville just gets some allocation money. That would be $60,000 in allocation money. While the Rain receive um, Julia Lester, who is a 24-year-old defender, and $20,000 in allocation money. Uh, you'll learn about Lester here. We'll go. Uh, Lester enters her third year in the NWSL, having spent her first two seasons with Racing Louisville as a center back and some outside back. So some, there's some versatility there that head coach Laura Harvey likes seeing. I mean, we saw it with Phoebe McLernan as well. Lou Barnes has moved around the back line as well. Uh, she entered the league back in 2022, starting in 30 of 33 3 33 games played for Louisville, earning the fifth most starts for the club in that time. Uh, as I apologize, she was 26 years old. Um, so there's some success there for Lester as a defender. The Rain likely have their back four figured out already, but you are an adept defender um, and maybe somebody who will take over uh, when Lou Barnes ultimately decides to hang it up. Um, we look at this deal and it's frustrating because... I've got some further detail on why this trade happened. You know, we look at the draft. A lot of folks were, ex we were expecting Sam Hyatt to get taken in the expansion draft by Bay FC, be closer to where she played college at Stanford. That didn't end up happening. And we find out later that the rain did make a trade with Bay so that they would not select Sam Hyatt. It seemed like Sam Hyatt was going to be the eventual successor for Lou Barnes at that position when Barnes decides to hang it up. Something seems to have changed upon that line. And now Hyatt has ended up uh, with Gotham joining former teammates Rose Lavelle and Emily Sonnet there in New York, New Jersey. So, yeah, unfortunate. Sam Hyatt was a fan favorite. You know, she was a local and she was a really strong defender here. Ultimately, didn't work out. And now Julia Lester, Lester is here. So we're happy with that. Uh, and we have to continue with the news because, again, there's a lot that happened for the rain over the course of the past week. Uh, we look at that. The club did name their technical staff for this year. There were some thoughts about whether or not um, Scott Parkinson would be back. I was wondering if Scott would be back. He's officially back. And we've got more than uh, a few coaches named here. So we'll look at that just because even at the end of the season, and through the offseason, the rain have said that they were looking to add new hires to their coaching staff, you know, as the league progresses and as the rain look to gain an edge. So, uh, you know, obviously, <clears throat> excuse me, Laura Harvey returns here. Head assistant coach Scott Parkinson and assistant coach Kate Norton returned to the staff for a second consecutive season. Uh, so joining the staff is assistant coach and head uh, head of goalkeeping Lloyd Yaxley, who most recently spent two seasons with the Kansas City Current as their goalkeeper coach. Um, there's that. The Reign have also hired medical director Emily Fortunato and high performance director Michael Minthorn. Um, so again, as I talked about, there was going to be a few different new hires for the club, which is important. And you're looking to make this club better all around, whether it's mentally, physically, uh, analytically, finding different ways to improve upon the club, not just on the field, but with the staff as well. Uh, we look at this. You're seeing it already on your screen. But 
will look at the full list of the technical staff. Leslie Galmore remains the general manager. Associate general manager is Santiago Gallo. Uh, Laura Harvey, the head coach. Head assistant coach Park, Scott Parkinson. Assistant coach Kate Norton. We've talked about Yaxley. Video analyst is Kevin Pineda. Head performance director Michael Minthorn. Uh, sports dietitian Bethany Chapman. Medical director Emily Fortunato, as we just mentioned. Um, and I believe those are the new ones. We could go all the way down the list here. But if we're counting here, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, ooh, there's at least 20 staff members for the rain. So again, I join you back here. The rain are making the conscious effort to not only improve on the playing field, but also with their staff, you know, improving the players that you've got and getting the most out of them, again, whether it's mentally, physically, tactically, all that sort of thing. So that's impressive to see. Uh, <laughs> in addition to that, we found out that the rain, as you can see on your screen now, uh, will be playing a few preseason friendlies when they're on the road here uh, down in Costa Rica, which is exciting to know. We talked about it last week with the club uh, holding their preseason in California and Costa Rica, but they will be playing two friendlies while they're on the road there. Uh, they'll play Liga Deportiva Alajunelis on Saturday, February 3rd at 5 o'clock Pacific time, followed by a second friendly against the Costa Rica women's national team on Friday, February 9th at 6 o'clock. So Costa Rica women's national team, that's not any sort of small friendly. Um, so it'll be nice for them, obviously, to get some some practice in there. It'll be interesting to see who gets the minutes. There are a few players who you figure have some set some set roles with this team. Obviously, you want to earn everything, but there are some players who likely have spots solidified more than others. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who the rain get into these friendlies in Costa Rica. In mentioning those different spots being potentially held up, the Rain did announce their 2024 NWSL preseason roster. So we'll put that on your screen now. Um, the club uh, roster is set at 26 players for this preseason, 20 of them who are currently under contract for 2024. 18 of them were rostered last year to help them reach the NWSL championship. Um, a few of the players are still on loan. Jimena Lopez and midfielder Luani are still in Liga F, the top-tier women's football league in Spain through the course of June, so they won't be coming back to join the reign as they continue with... Um, their respective loans and continue to develop there. Uh, the club did invite a few players um, as non-roster invitations to join the club uh, for the preseason forward. Gianna Gorley, Juju Harris, and Emery Adamas are all non-roster invitees for preseason camp. So all forwards, the rain obviously feeling strong about their defensive side of the football. Um, and that's football, not American football. Uh, and looking to improve offensively, as we've talked about, uh, at the beginning of the rain segment, they will also welcome all three of their unsigned draft picks to training, whether it's Sam Meza, Maddie Mercado, and local McKenna Carr. So at least looking at the breakdown, Claudia Dickey, Laurel Ivory, and Maya Perez round out the goalkeeper's position. They're all signed through 24, uh, at least. Defending Lou Barnes, Ryan Brown, McKenna Carr, Alana Cook, Shea Holmes, Sofia Huerta, Julia Lester, Jimena Lopez, who is, as I mentioned, on loan, and Phoebe McLaren round out the defenders. In the midfield, we've got eight players there. Olivia Athens, Jess Fishlock, Luani, as I mentioned, on loan. Sam Meza, Quinn, Jisoyun, Nikki Stanton, and Olivia Vanderyat. And then at the forward position, eight forwards, 
Uh, Emery Adamas, Bethany Balser, Gianna Gorley, Juju Harris, Jordan Heidema, Ziara King, Verona Kalatsko, and Maddie Mercado. So catch your breath there. A lot of rain news taking place um, over the past week. And that's not even, that's not everything there. Finally, to drop it, to close out the rain segment, the club did finally announce, well, it was more the league announcing it because the club doesn't necessarily have any control over it. The club announced their 2024 uh, schedule, pardon me, so we finally have that. We'll put that on your screen there so that you can get a better overall look at that um, and the schedule there. It's nice to finally have that set so that we can plan it out. We can look at that. Um, it consists of 26 regular season matches and even split 13 at home, 13 on the road. Earlier in the, the year, uh, in the offseason, there was the announcement of the league's landmark four-year domestic domestic media rights agreements with CBS Sports, ESPN, Prime Video, and Script Sports that will see 121 matches, including 113 of them in the regular season, um, featured on national platforms throughout the course of the year. The rain, as you can see on your uh, screen, will begin at home, which is nice. You know, the past few years, it feels like they've been on the road. But they will continue to begin the year against the Washington Spirit, March 17th at 3 o'clock at Lumen Field against the Washington Spirit. Kind of getting sick of beginning uh, the season against Washington. Such a good team, such a good club, such a competitive uh, contest whenever those two teams meet. Uh, it's just a tough team to play. And it seems like we play uh, the Spirit every year. Um to begin the season after the home opener the rain will be on the road for three consecutive matches uh which is big you know with the league expanded playoff format in 2024 eight clubs will qualify for the quarter quarter final round taking place the weekend of november 9th through 10th uh the semifinal round will kick off november 16th through 17th ahead of the championship game taking place on november 20th hopefully on the 20 uh, pardon me november 23rd hopefully on the 23rd i am busy and i have to go to that but we'll see um you know we look at the schedule breakdown here you can still see that uh at least home match is broken down by days of the week there's only one game on a monday which is nice you know dealing with recording these shows on monday uh and then going down to lumen is, is a busy time one on wednesday three on friday and eight on sunday same thing matches by day of the week but by road games three on friday six on Saturday and four on Sunday, which is nice. Um, it's pretty even. I talked about the even split of the 13 home games on 13 road games. Home matches by month. There's only one in the months of March, April, July, August, three in May. So that's your biggest, busiest home month, two in June, two in September and two in October. And then on the road, very even as well. Two in the months of March, April, May, June, and September, and then only one in August, October, and November. So nice to finally get the schedule out of the way every year. It feels like that's the major issue is waiting for the schedule, but we've got that taken care of. That's out of the way. It was a busy week for the rain. Oh, my head hurts a little bit. So at least wrapping up the rain, there's the news of Jisoo Yun. There was the preseason roster. There's the technical staff. There's the preseason friendlies. There's the Sam Hyatt trade. And then there's the schedule. It's a lot, man. It's a lot. Um, looking at the totality of this past week, I mean, the Seahawks, again, meeting with Mike McDonald and Ben Johnson, but there's rumors that Ben Johnson already might be locked in to the Washington Commanders deal. The Mariners, 
Um, as far as I know, no big news has dropped with that, even though there was rumor of it. I want to hold my tongue because that might have happened. Nope. Oh, well, and then Mike McDonald's going to meet in person with the Seahawks. So that's sort of a, a development there. But obviously, with his season being done now and we're in the part of the offseason where that can happen, that makes some sense. Uh, the Storm, you know, hosting Neka Gumake for that free agent visit. Would love to have that happen. Neka, you look great in Storm Green and Yellow and especially the black jerseys. Hey, just saying. We can make it happen. Uh, we look at the Sounders there in their preseason in Spain. The Pedro de la Vega signing is official. We've got that out of the way. And it's exciting to look forward to 2024. We can see him on the pitch. The Kraken, they've got one game left before the NHL All-Star break. Uh, so you want to finish that off right tomorrow, 7.30 p.m. against the Sharks down in San Jose. You want to finish that out right. San Jose has won three of the last four. So it's... it's <laughs> It's not an easy contest to go out and fi finalize uh, the last game against the break against. Um, and then the rain just talked about it an incredibly, incredibly busy week. So until we see you next week, take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll see you in February and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.